<laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show, recording, recording, broadcasting live out of the uh, city of Chicago. I'm on the north side. It is cold. And I've been hearing that it is very, very nice around the country weather-wise, temperature-wise, but it is so cold in the city of Chicago. I mean, spring hasn't, doesn't seem like it's gotten here yet, you know, and we're still waiting because we're still in our coats, jackets, and boots, and gloves in the city of Chicago. At least some areas, some portions of, of the city, it is totally, totally feels like winter. But I'm hearing that it's going to get a lot better as the days go on. Let's hope so. Uh, the weather forecasts, they're not always accurate, you know, because, you know, the weather changes just like that. Some guy or girl on the ready, on the television, meteorologist may say, hey, wow, it's going to be in the 50s. It's going to be in the 70s. And, you know, you know, and then it's not. And then you're disappointed because it's not their fault. It's just they're just predictors of the weather, but they try to be accurate. They say they're accurate. But the weather just fluctuates in the city of Chicago. I mean, it, every time you turn around, I mean, it's a different degree. Every time you turn a corner, that's what I'm trying to say, is it's a different <laughs> up or down temperature. But uh, let's hope that spring arrives in the city of Chicago. And uh, for you folks where spring has already arrived and it's, been, <laughs> and it's been there for a long time, congrats to you. Because uh, here we are still in our coats and boots and stuff like that. Maybe we can shed them by tomorrow or, or uh, by the end of the week, hopefully. Because there's a lot of people who want to get outside. They want to enjoy the weather. They're tired of the cold. We are tired of the cold. We want some warmth, <laughs> you know, because it's that type of the time of the year. You know, this is almost the middle of April and it's still, and we need gloves in, here in the city of Chicago. That's not right. And, you know, I mean, we want to be able to go on the beach shared our clothes, you know, take, you know, well, you do. I don't want to do that. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Author Cleet Bullock is on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about human relations or something like that. Anyway, we'll just have to wait and see what that, that's all about, all about. Speak with a pure heart and with you and with what you say will undoubtedly speak for itself. Okay, be nice to one another out there. 
uh, wake up and let's take America back. And it seems like <laughs> it seems as though that just might happen, folks. Anyway, let's get to what's happening. Okay. As as the world knows, everybody should know this, that Mark Zuckerberg is speaking on the Senate floor as I'm speaking now. He he, he may be just wrapping up his uh, final talk or something to other because he's been out there talking for hours, answering questions and everything, you know. Okay. Um, I'm just going to give a little bit syn- uh, synopsis or a little bit snippet of what he's saying. Facebook, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerman will answer questions or he has answered answer questions. Uh, from the Senate Judicial and Commerce Committees about Cambridge Analytical and the security and security on the social network Facebook. Okay, Zuckerman met with uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill, the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which will question or have questioned Zuckerberg, uh, in which he admits Facebook didn't do enough to prevent. Uh, firms like Cambridge Analytical from being used for harm, harming the people who hold the accounts, harming the people who are members, you know. And um, yeah, I, I take uh, exception to this. Of course I do. I mean, I'm a Facebook member. You might be too. I don't want other people seeing my information that I don't that I have not authorized them to see it. And I do believe at some point Zuckerman is just talking through, talking out of his butt because, I mean, Facebook is, Facebook is Facebook because of we members. Facebook is Facebook because of us. There would be no Facebook if it wasn't for us. And Facebook, um, has designed itself so it can make money off of us. Uh, because a lot of things on Facebook that used to be free, they're not free anymore. I mean, you have to pay for it. I mean, there's things as you have to sponsor this or sponsor that. And a lot of the advertisers and a lot of sponsors have left space, Facebook. I was going to say Facebook. Left, uh, departed uh, Facebook, and I can't blame them. But there's a lot of people who chose to who chose to remain with Facebook. And that's I, I you know, I can see their point in a way, but at least you should be concerned about your private information be given to third and fourth parties without your permission. You, some people don't seem like they're concerned. Or the hell with it, George. Uh, they don't know. I, I, I haven't got anything they want. The hell with it. I, I haven't got a dime. I, they want my information, they can have it. But, you know, some people are like that, you know, and uh, it's it's wrong. I mean, I I don't want my information shared with anybody without my, my uh, consent. There's no doubt about it. Facebook has made its millions of dollars. It's billions and billions of dollars off you, off me. And we haven't shared in a cent. They didn't give us anything. I don't know. Uh, Mark Mark Zuckerberg seemed like a really really nice guy, young man, but there's no doubt about it. He probably sold information on a lot of uh, 
uh, Facebook users to uh, corporations, businesses, firms, and all these people. And then they come back at us and try to do this or that. So, and Zuckerberg is on the Senate floor and he wants, he's once again apologizing for all of this. He's apologizing for this and they're now giving us, you know, ways to, to try to track everything that's coming at us on Facebook in terms of advertising, in terms of, uh, uh, of our, um, uh, information, data, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that the big, the big party donors, the sponsors, the advertisers, the big guys have left Facebook dry. That means Zuckerman is losing money. Uh, but a lot of the, a lot of folks who are actually sticking with Facebook are just ordinary people, <laughs> ordinary everyday people um, with jobs. Some people retired. Some people are disabled, uh, and all the and all they have is Facebook, and that's a damn shame. The only life some people have, and and this is true. It may be funny, but some of, <laughs> the only life of some people have is Facebook. They're on Facebook night day, evening, morning, 24 hours, 24-7. These folks are on Facebook. Some of these folks will not post anything. They will not say anything. They will not click like on anything. But they're there. They're there. They are there watching to see, watching you, seeing what you post and write and, and you know, photographs, pictures, news, feed, or whatever. They're, they are out there. Folks are out there. I mean, I got 5,000 friends on Facebook. I have yet to see one of, to see at least a third of them actually post anything. They're, they, are, they are there, but they, you know, a lot of people, and you, you got a lot of people on Facebook who are religious. And sometimes that won't, they won't post because of their religious belief. But they are there on Facebook, and they're seeing what you do. But anyway, getting back to Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, he is apologizing left and right. He's, he's very sorry for this. Yeah, he may be sorry for this, and he may be trying to rectify everything there is to try to keep information out of, more information out of the hands of these hackers and, and, and these people who are trying to steal our information. But the thing about it, 87, he's saying that 87 million people have been affected. That means that 87 million of us have had our information compromised on Facebook. I guess what I'm trying to say, the information is out there. The bad guys have it. So anything that he's trying to do now to rectify that and apologize a hundred times over this, it's not working. Because the information, that's what a lot of people have been saying. George, why should I leave Facebook when my information is already out there? But I'm glad that Zuckerman is and his Facebook team are trying to take steps to um, rectify this uh, to keep it from happening again. But like I said, they have the information already. You know, they have it. And I guess the the uh, safeguards and security that he's putting in place uh, 
I'm not going to belittle it or anything. I, I think it's great, uh, especially for people who are just becoming members of Facebook, uh, users of Facebook, Facebook, or just getting their account. But, but for those who have had, who have been on Facebook for 5, 10, 15 years, the inf- their information is out there, you know. And all the, all the apologies in the world is not going to get your information back from, from the hands of the crooks. You know, and uh, the money that's been made off your information is in the billions. And Mark Zuckerman and his tape and his Facebook team pocketing the money. As I've said, most some a lot of people have uh, left Facebook. A lot of people have uh, uh, given up, have dropped it completely. Then there's millions of people who have not because they say they need to keep up with their family, their friends. They need to make more friends. They need to uh, keep up with family and friends, mom and dad and all this kind of thing, which is which is great, which is good. Check on uh, uh, the elderly, uh, which is good. Great, but you, but there's also other websites, other uh, social media that you can do the same thing with. But Facebook is so popular, and this is just making it even more popular. And I have a feeling that a lot of the people who have left Facebook, they're going to return. They're going to return, you know, unless they're just, you know, really adamant about uh, not dealing with Facebook again. But as I've just got through mentioning, some people, they don't give a damn about what's going on on Facebook. They're going to stick with Facebook. But they stole your information. I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't have anything. I don't have nothing to hide. They got my information. What do they got? My address? My phone number? Who I am? They don't have my bank account. I don't care. I'm staying with Facebook. The hell with all of y'all. <laughs> and some people are like that. And you gotta, you gotta. Um, um, if they love it, you gotta love it too. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we always try to make the world a better place here, folks. And uh, <laughs> Zuckerman is on Capitol Hill saying he's very, very sorry that he didn't do enough to prevent all of this. He's really, really sorry. Yeah, but the information is out there. They got it. They got your bank account. They got your address. They got your name. They got your social security number. They know what school you went to. They know what college or university you attended. They know it all. (laughs) But you know, a lot of people are suing Facebook. Some people are suing Facebook for um, what some may call a breach of contract. A lot of people are suing Facebook. They are going out and finding themselves lawyers. The minute they, they find that they've been uh, their information has been stolen, uh, they're finding lawyers, you know. So, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We have to move on. Did you hear that Donald Trump's lawyer, Mark Cohen, his house was raided, his hotel was raided, and his office was raided? And they keep saying Mueller did it. Mueller did not do it personally. I mean, he may have handed it off to someone else to do it, but, you know, and, and it's a good thing. And I do think Donald Trump is in a hell of a lot of trouble. 
I mean, he's trying to get out of this. What was his latest statement? Uh, that this was an attack on America? <laughs> Give me a break. The only attack on America has been Donald Trump himself. To call, uh, because uh, these guys, these the FBI who raided uh, his lawyer's home, office, and hotel rooms, they had warrants. A federal judge, judge uh, issued a warrant. And, and any time a federal judge issue a warrant means that there is probable cause, meaning that there is possibly crime has been committed. I say possibly because I want to give them a little room. I should say a crime has been committed without the possibility of a crime being committed. A crime has been committed. Probable cause. So Donald Trump going out here ranting uh, about if he should fire Bob Mueller or not. You know, I mean, maybe he should, uh, you know, I mean, put his anger towards the judge who issued the warrant. And then calling this raid on his um, lawyer's uh, office an attack on the country. Totally BS. It's not an attack on the country. These people feel that there's a crime being committed and they and they're doing their jobs. That's what they're doing. A crime has been committed and these folks are doing their jobs. And for Donald Trump to be crying like a baby, now everybody's wondering, if, is he going to fire Mueller? Is he going to fire Mueller? Trump's going to fire Mueller. And some... Um, Senators and representatives are saying he better not fire Mueller. He's going to lose his presidency. He will not be president again. But you know what? But but a lot of people, but 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 a lot of people think that Donald Trump is going to try and fire this guy. Even I do. I think he doesn't. Donald Trump doesn't listen to anybody. He he always goes off all wild cocked and just blab blabbing at the mouth about anything. But he's quaking in his boots. Even the White House, they they're quaking in the, their boots over this because this is bad. This is really really bad for Donald Trump. This is the most thuggish criminal regime in the history of the world. And this guy is still sitting in the Oval Office. And the only reason why he's still sitting in the Oval Office is because of Congress. The Republicans in Congress will not do anything. They control Congress, not the Democrats. However, the Democrats are saying if they, if Donald Trump should still be in office by the midterms, and once they take back the House and the Senate in a blue wave, they will impeach Donald Trump and 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 reverse some of the damage or all the damage that he's done. And that's one of the things Donald Trump doesn't want. All of this garbage that he's done, I could I could name everyone, but I'm not. All of this stuff that he's done with his ex- executive pen can be reversed by the next president or even by Congress. All of that stuff, because he's tried so many times to undo Obama. 
the next president, if he's impeached, can undo him. You know, he can be undone just like he's trying to do undo Obama. And I'm pretty sure he knows that because somebody told him that. I'm pretty sure because he probably didn't know it yeah, because he doesn't read. He admits it. Donald Trump does not read. I mean, I was watching him on a on a video, on a clip one day on television, and all the folks around him was handing him papers to read, and he would just look at them and push them to the side. The man doesn't read. The man doesn't give a damn about reading. And he's the president of the United States. He doesn't read, and he doesn't give a damn that you don't know, that you know he doesn't read. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't read. He don't like to read. So everything that Donald Trump says in public, somebody done fed it to him. Somebody done wrote it for him. Because he has no no writing skills, no thinking skills, but uh, he can remember what someone says to him. And he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. But give me a break. The smartest guy in the room needs a lawyer. His lawyer needs a lawyer. And they need a lawyer. And this is not meant to be humorous. It's true. Lawyers up the kazoo in the White House. Lawyers everywhere. And and then he needs more lawyers. He's been trying to get more lawyers. Trump has been trying to get more lawyers, but a lot of the lawyers have turned him down, turned him down. Because because one because one of the lawyers he was trying to get to be on his team to defend himself against the Russia investigation was Dan Webb from Illinois. I've known Dan Webb for a long time, and uh, Dan Webb turned him down. Turned, he's going to need some good, good lawyers uh, in this thing. He's got lawyers now, but he doesn't have the, the right lawyers that he's going to need when he has to defend himself in this Russia investigation, even in probably the Stormy Daniels uh, scandal. Wow, this is a mess. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And yeah, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. We will be right back, folks. Services paid for through the Ukrainian president's political party. Yeah.
All right, what to do if your uh, Facebook, okay, what to do if Facebook tells you your data, your information was used by Cambridge Analytica, okay? What to do, panic or don't panic? Some people panic, some people do not panic. It, it's up to the individual. Facebook said it would begin rolling out a link starting Monday to let users know if they are among the estimated 87 million Facebook members who have had their data improperly in harvested by Cambridge Analytical. The political data firm is accused of exploiting private social media activity to, to support to support its its work on behalf of President Donald Trump. 2016 campaign. I, I had a hard time to say that. You know, it, 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 it's a mess. Wow. Yeah, Facebook also announced in a research initiative uh, to understand the role of social media in elections. But whether the motivation behind the company's rush to transparency is pub is publicity driven or not, it raises one very important question. What exactly are users supposed to do if they learn that they are among the unlucky 87 million people with their data out there the wrong people knowing your information is knowing your information was used accomplishes next to nothing right it accomplishes next to nothing um but there's nothing wrong being pissed off at facebook for uh, allowing this to happen. And Mark Zuckerberg, once again, this guy is apologizing. He is totally apologizing, saying he's sorry for this, he's sorry for that, and he, he wants to be forgiven. You know, but he's the billionaire, me and you, we're not, you know. So <laughs> once information is released, it is impossible to get it back, right. Basically, this is what I've been saying for a while on the show. Uh, he can apologize. He can apologize until the cows come home. Our information will still be in the wrong hands out there. Uh, you know, the fault is Facebook. There's no doubt about it. The fault is Facebook. And I've said a lot. Of, I've said this before. A lot of people are dropping Facebook, and a lot of people are not. I guess it. I guess it depends on what income bracket you're in. If you actually go. <laughs> I mean, if you got nothing, you might as well stay on Facebook, right? You know, but if you if you have something and you're able and you and you can afford to actually leave it, then leave it. You know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Junior Show, and we're talking about um, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerman on the hot seat, folks. Uh, he can be on the hot seat forever. That's not going to get our information back. Yeah, I'm a member of Facebook too. You know, I've been uh, on Facebook for quite a while. And the changes that they seem as though they're trying to make are for for the users, the up-and-coming users, the new users, the people who are getting their accounts on Facebook now. They, they have a better chance of uh, being secured than we, the folks who have been on Facebook for 5, 10, and 15 years. We know our information is out there. We know that our uh, privacy has been compromised. We know that. Okay. 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I've said that a hundred times, and it, every time it feels great. Oh, man. All right, here we go. Okay, you're on the show. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go ahead. Hey, this is Dr. Bulock. Hey. How are you doing? Bulock. Okay, I didn't want to pronounce your last. I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to mispronounce it. Is the first name Cleet? Hey, I, yeah. Well, it's Cletus, but I go by Cleet. <laughs> okay, all right. I go by, if I go by Cletus, some people think I'm a female. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, Arthur. Not until they hear my voice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're shocked by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to be talking about uh, human relations, some something uh, along those lines. Uh, can you yeah. give us a little bit of your bio? Can you give us a little bit of your bio, and then you can start telling us a little bit about that? Uh, well, I've been a teacher, principal, superintendent, college professor. Um, I am an evaluator of whatever you need to have evaluated. My uh, claim to fame, I guess, is I secured a contract in 2002 to evaluate every school district in the state of West Virginia. I wow. drove 5,000 miles. I spent five months with teachers and kids about what they liked about their school. And that became a wake-up call for me. I says, I have to write a book. That yeah. kids are going, that kids are going to like to go to school, and teachers are going to like to go to work, because what I found through the interviews was that roughly fifty percent of the kids didn't like to go to school, and yeah. in years three, in years three to five, many teachers quit. They don't like going to work, and I thought, wow, there has wow. to be a school where kids would like to go, and I saw one. I saw one school in the entire state that was absolutely phenomenal, and I decided it took them 10 years to get there. I said, I'm going to write a book so they can get there in one semester, four months, uh, and that's why I wrote the book. But the book is full of human relations, um, strategies, and techniques that the principal and teachers can use to give control to the kids, give control to the teachers without giving it up. And that's the secret to good leadership. How do you give yeah. control? If you're, a par- if you're a parent, how do you give control to your kids without giving it up? That's the secret to being a good parent because you want your kids to grow up to make responsible decisions. But if you make yeah. all the decisions for them, they won't. They won't grow up to be good decision makers. The same is true that's, in school. Yeah, that's the kind of parent I try to be. Uh, I try not to to uh, to uh, like micromanage my son. I I, I try to uh, let him try to figure out uh, how to think for himself instead of having me think for him all the time. I'm pretty sure you're talking Absolutely. about something. Yeah, you are very smart if you could do that. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got one kid? Yeah, just one. That's enough. <laughs> one. Um, where do you want to go with this? I've got uh, nine forms of power that are used to control people. That's chapter four in book one. Uh, you probably you w- might like to. 
you might like to know what those are because you want to control your kid, right? But you want to give him control. You want to give him control, but you don't Uh, want to give him control. I really don't want to control. Uh, I really don't want to control him. I want him to be his own person. But I will be there if he should stumble or fall. You know, so I I want him to end up trying to be a leader on his own. But some well, if he doesn't do if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, are you going to take control back? I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Okay. Well, the mark of a parent, a good parent and a good uh-huh. leader is you give control, but you don't give it up. Let me let me run through those uh, nine forms of power. There are only nine ways to control. There are no other okay. nine. There are no others, okay? Five are freeing forms where you give control. Information... It's power, right? Of course. It's what we're do- it's what we're doing. We're given information. People are going to listen to it and they say, "Wow, that's kind of interesting. I think I'm going to try to do that." So yeah. what we're doing right now is information power. Okay. By the way, I was on this radio station in 2015 with uh, uh, another producer on bullying behavior. Mm. Uh, oh, let me. You probably she's probably not there anymore. But let me see if I can come up with that name. Uh, yeah, uh, it was Mary Goulet. It was uh, October thirteenth, two thousand fifteen, on WS okay. Radio. Okay. But are you? Is this WS Radio? Or is My this show? a blog talk? Yeah. This is Block Talk Radio. I do have call letters. I barely use it. This is the Internet Radio. Okay. Okay. Uh, then this, this is not what I thought it was. Okay. Um, the second form of power is expertise, where you demonstrate how to do something. That's what teachers do every day. And the kids look at it and say, yeah, I can do that. It's, so it's a freeing form of power. The teachers give control with the freeing forms. So information and expertise are freeing forms. The third one is personality. And just my brief conversation with you, you use your personality well, do you not? I try to. (laughs) You try to. Well, if if people like you, normally if you want them to do something, all you got to do is ask, right? Yeah. So... With your son, you probably do a lot of asking, right? Because he loves you, right? Um, to be truthful, I do a lot of telling <laughs> instead of asking. <laughs> okay. Well, then you ask. Okay, then you're controlling. Okay, but we'll get to the controlling forms in a little bit. Um, personality power. Mm-hmm. If people like you, all you got to do is ask, and they'll say, "Okay, I'll do that." So, but they are free yeah, well, to do yeah. it, right? Okay. The yeah. fourth mm-hmm. form is ego power. You stroke somebody's ego. Have you ever stroked egos? Uh, I try not to. Try not to. Why? Mm-hmm. Don't you like to give compliments to people? Uh, yeah, I do. But, you know, I mean, I, 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 I guess... Um, 
You just compliment them. You don't ask anything in return. You know, I, I very seldom compliment people, but however, I do. I, I'm very, very uh, giving and friendly, but I don't say, hey, wow, you have on a nice dress. You know, I <laughs> obvious is, is a nice dress because she wouldn't have it on. I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I very seldom compliment well, people. You know, I don't. Ego I, power. Ego power. Ego power is different from complimenting people. Ego power would be something like this. Hey, you did such a great job with that last year. How about giving me a hand this year? That's a compliment, but it's also stroking an ego. Or I like the way you analyze figures. I need some help with these, with this data. How about giving me a hand? Does that make more sense? You understand yeah, what I'm saying by ego power? Yeah, you compliment someone's ability because you want their help. And they say, oh, sure, I'll help you. But when you, you do, yeah, when you, when you stroke somebody's ego, they are free to decide to help you with the task, whatever it is, okay? Then you come to what I call moral power. Moral power is what is the right thing to do. When I was a school superintendent, I had that big sign on the back wall of the boardroom. And whenever my board members start fighting, I'd say, hey, guys, because they were mostly male, what's the right thing to do here? And they'd look at me and say, oh, yeah, you're right. We need to get out of this childish uh, arguing and do the right thing. Uh, moral power is what is the right thing to do. The problem is a lot of people don't know what the right thing to do is because in most parents' home, the rules are unwritten. Everybody has to figure out what the rules are, and they are figure those out by the way the parents behave with each other and with their kids. I like to have the rules written. Of course, when you only got one kid... It's a little difficult to do, but I had five, and I gave all my kids three three-by-five cards. Parents listening out there, if you've got a couple of kids, two or three or four, here's how you do that. You give all of your kids three three-by-five cards or four-by-six or five-by-whatever, and you ask them to write one rule that they think ought to be enforced in this home. And they say, they look at you like you're crazy. You want us to tell you what the rules are in this house? You say, why? I want to know what you think they ought to be. And you can ask your kid, how old is your child? My child is 18. Oh, okay. You're past that. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so you, you've raised him pretty good. Uh, you've given him control, and he is now responsible and making good decisions, right? I would, I would like to think so, that, that, that I okay. raised him good. Never. Okay. Well, when you do this three-by-five card thing, you get what you think the kids want the rules to be in the house. And you'd be surprised what they come up with because they're telling you uh, what they think the rules ought to be. And if there is a rule or two that they didn't put down, you just put it in, and they'll never know uh, unless they get together and say, who wrote that rule? Who wrote that stupid rule? Okay. Um <clears throat> So the rules go I, up on – go ahead. 
I was going to say most kids probably, if they had a chance to write down what they think the rules should be in the house, they could have write something down that the parent probably will not allow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Uh, okay. The rules okay. my the rules my kids came up with were very good. Um, okay. The only one that they didn't put down was um, be home at curfew. <laughs> they wouldn't put that one down, so I put it down. Okay. Um, anyway, once the rules are are known, then moral power is in place because those are the right things to do. So, in any organization um, that who may be tuning into your show, what are the rules in your organization? Are they written? In a lot of places where I. Um, uh, worked in factories throughout my life. There, the only rules that were really written were uh, you must sign in, uh, on, turn in the clock at, on time, be there for work, and you must mm-hmm. return from lunch for work. And those were pretty much the only rules. There wasn't much about the quality of work, although there's more focus on that now. But anyway, in most yeah. cases, the rules are not known, so moral power is not in place. Um, <clears throat> those are the five freeing forms of power. Most leaders and parents should use those. Information, expertise, personality, strokes and egos, and moral power. When those don't work, parents must take position power back. As a parent, Anna and your wife, you have position power over the kid, but not at 18 uh, when they were young. Yeah, because he's an he adult. Had, he's an adult. Yeah, right. Um, so parents listening in, you cannot give up position power because once you give it up, what happens? What happens when you give up position power? Uh, you're the author. <laughs> this is your ex- you, this is you lose it. Go ahead. Okay. You lose it. Once you lose position power, you lose reward and coercion power. Those are the other three controlling forms of the other two controlling forms of power. If you're a leader wow. out there, a parent, a parent yeah. out there, you have position power and you have reward and coercion power, the ability to give rewards and punish. Okay, there is wow. a fourth. There is a fourth form of power, and it is fascinating. It's called collection, po- uh, connection power. Um, let's let's say um, I want to. I've got you written down on my thing as Wade, but you're not Wade. What is your name? What's your name? Uh, are you talking? Asking me what is my name? Yeah. Okay, my name is George Wilder Jr. George. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I missed that and they Okay, George. <laughs> um Okay. Let's let's suppose <laughs> let's go back uh eight years. Your kid is ten years old. Uh in your house, who has the most position power, you or your wife? I think we equally have it. I mean, I try not to uh, okay. equally have well, it. Yeah. If you're equal, then you're sharing. Okay. Let's suppose your kid did something that your wife did not like. And she said, you just wait till your dad comes home. I'm going to tell him. 
I'm going to let him take care of this. So you come home, and your wife says, you know what, you know what your son did today? He did da, 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 da. And you look at her and you say, oh, what's so bad about that? I did that when I was a kid. And she looks at you and say, what? Yeah, I, I, I think that's just normal childhood behavior. Let's just let that slide. So the wife has to go back and eat crow because you didn't do anything. What happens to your wife's position power with your kid? I guess it uh, lowers itself. It gets lowered. Yeah, yeah, you've lowered it. If you do that too many times, your kid is not going to listen to your wife anymore. That's called connection power. But you know what? It would depend. It would depend on what he's what 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 she says he has done. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, Well, that's correct. That's correct. You're right, Jory. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. When <clears throat> when I was an assistant principal, teachers would send me kids for discipline, and I almost always did something about it. But I've talked to many teachers when I interviewed the teachers in West Virginia, and they said, well, we send kids to the office, and they don't do anything. We can't control the discipline. So... When the leader does not support uh, the person under them that they have hired, like a supervisor, or a parent doesn't support the spouse, the yeah. the lack of position power from the person above lowers, ruins the position power of the other person and destroys their leadership ability. Those are mm-hmm. the nine forms of power, and uh, the theme throughout our two books is give control, but don't give it up. Now, at if with your son at eighteen, you pretty much have to give it up. Um, you know, well, not if become not, a, not if he's living with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not giving if he's up. living in your house. If yeah. he's living in your house, you're right. You still have position power. Right. Um, okay. So, how much time do we have? Uh, I wanted to say, uh, how how is uh, the people, the readers, uh, how how are they responding to this book? I mean, you've written it, and you've laid it out well on this show. You've talked about it. The listeners are are, are curious. How is what is the reaction to this book? Not very good. <laughs> oh. uh, the the book. Uh, attacks or describes how to get at the six reasons for low test scores. Number one is the culture and climate and the five things that cause culture and climate to be bad. They don't want to change. They want to keep doing the same old, same old that they've been doing for the last. You laid that book out so well and you laid the thoughts out to the book, all the reasons to why people should try it. Do you know one other question here. Uh, why do you think most kids do not like school, as you were alluding to at the beginning of the show? Why do you think they don't like to go to school? Why do you think uh, that some well, of the teachers their aren't, aren't? Their needs aren't being met. Uh, everybody has five needs. You do. I do. Even uh, retards, uh, people with disabilities, they all have five basic needs. And I'll run through them real quick. Okay. Most people, 
most people want to have a life with as little stress and fear as possible. They don't want to worry about being bullied or fear for their life. That's number one. Number two, they all want moments of happiness. Can't be happy all the time. But life with no happiness is no life. And then you come to the third one. Uh, it's been written about uh, by a number of people. Um, books have been, Moby Dick is, is a book written about that. And it's all about power and control. Um, <clears throat> most people like to have some control of their life. And now we've got control freaks who have to have a lot of control. Uh, you've got President Trump who has a high need for control. Um, and there are other people who have a low need, but all people have a need for control. If, they, if that need is not being met, they have to do something to get it back, okay? When kids mm -hmm. go to school, they have no control. They're told what to study. They're told what the rules are. They're told where to sit. They're told what they can do and what they cannot do. And then you come to the fourth need, and that's caring. A lot of kids go to school believing their teacher doesn't care. And I asked the kids when I interviewed those thousands in West Virginia, uh, what do you like about your school? And they said, the teachers. I says, great. What don't you like about your school? And they said, the teachers. I says, <laughs> and I explained that. They says, well, you know, some of these teachers really care about us. If we got a problem, we can go to them and talk to them, and they'll listen to us, and they'll help us. And then you've got these other teachers they come in with their cup of coffee and plop their feet up on their desk, and they look at us and say, all right, you guys, if you're ready to learn, I'm ready to teach. And if you don't want to learn, that's your problem. They don't care about us at all. All they want is their mm -hmm. paycheck, and they want to go home. And they're looking yeah, a lot for of retirement. people like that. They, they're looking yeah. for a paycheck. They're, they're yeah. looking for the day to come to an end. Uh, they're looking for that pension. Because <laughs> yeah. I've talked to a few. And... Uh, yeah. That that that's what happened. All right. Uh, uh, can you tell us where we can find the book? Uh, give us the complete. Oh, it's on Amazon. Okay. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Just put okay. in my last name, Bulach B U L A C H, and School Culture mm -hmm. and Climate, and it should come right up. Don't buy uh, okay, the early. Go ahead. Don't buy the earlier versions. The last two were published in October of 2017. The, those are. I winnowed everything down to very explainable how to how to do things. Okay, okay. I'll tell you There's what I'll do. A, I, I I was going to say I, I'm going to go to your website. I'm going to purchase the book, and I'm going to suggest that everybody listening at the sound of my voice go purchase the book uh, on Amazon uh because you laid it out so well uh, you know i mean you really did you really did and i'm also gonna after the show is over i'm gonna send you a link to the show that you're on so you can put it on your website and people can come by your website and hear you i will on this show yeah. on your website because you said a lot and i think it's, you should have it for yourself you know uh and well, i'll it put it on any uh, way you can use it any I'll way put you it can on facebook. It. yeah i'll put it on facebook and linkedin yeah, I've got two social to... media sites. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll send it to you, and then you can try to drive more traffic to your to to your website on Amazon or whatever, uh, and to purchase this book. I think it's a great thing for people to have. I think it's a keepsake, actually. And hey, uh, George, I you know. appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Thank I, you. I know because 
No problem. All right. I want to thank you for being on the show, and I will get that information out to you. Give us the give. Give everybody uh, the full title of your books. Uh, School culture and climate vis-a-vis student learning. There's a subtitle, okay. but that'll get you there. And then the second one is called Enhancing School Culture and Climate. It's got a couple of chapters on um, communications and conflict management that any parent would find interesting. The rest of the book is how to improve levels of openness and trust between people. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, and once the show is over, I'm going to also put it on Facebook and put it, put it on my website. I have, I have a few websites that I can do also. I can Google it so I can try to spread the word out about this book and about you doing this show. I want to thank you so much. You've been very helpful, George. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Here is a musical break. Oh, I said it once, Now I'm going to say it, say it, say it again. Each is own. You do what you want to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
You are now listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. When we think of the advances we've made, it is no surprise that so many of us are utterly devastated by the election of Donald Trump. I have been very clear about my opposition to this president. And everyone knows what I believe. I believe he is one of the most dishonorable, deceitful, and despicable people ever to hold public office. He has undermined the rule of law. He has isolated the United States allies. He has decimated our country's standing and leadership around the world. He has empowered and emboldened white nationalists, racist criminals, and con men just like himself. He flew to Puerto Rico after the island was ravaged by a hurricane, insulted San Juan's mayor, and proceeded to throw paper towels at our fellow Americans who are to this day still trying to recover from that storm. He endorsed a pedophile that ran for the United States Senate and defended wife beaters on his White House staff. This man lies on a daily basis and for all of the people and institutions he has insulted over the last two years, the only person he will not offend or criticize is Vladimir Putin. A brutal dictator who does not share our nation's interests around the world. Of course, None of this should surprise any of us because Donald Trump revealed and showed us who he is and what he was all about throughout his campaign. You may have heard that Donald Trump recently attacked me at the Grand Island Club dinner last week. And people are asking me, oh my goodness, what do you think about that? Well, I tell you what I think about it. I certainly expected him to do something like that. I don't know why it took him so long. Don't forget, this man who's disparaging me has been called stupid, ignorant, uninformed, unhinged, and a moron by his own staff and appointees. And so he had the nerve to attack me. I'm in this fight. I am not going to back down. And I believe that all of us deserve better than Donald Trump. I believe this country deserves better than Donald Trump. I wanted everyone to know that they had a right to be angry about the election of Trump, that this president is not normal, but that all is not lost because each of us has the power to set this country back on track. I feel very confident and hopeful about the future because I know there are so many people here tonight and in cities and towns across the United States who are about to reclaim their time and reclaim this country. So, we are counting on all of you to show up during the 2018 midterms and vote for people who will restore this democracy and uphold everything that we have fought for to advance the LGBTQ equality. And ladies and gentlemen, again, 
I keep bringing up Moeller's name because I have so much faith in him. I like the work that he's doing. I think he's going to get him. And if for some reason he's not able to get him, I'm counting on Stormy to do it. Trump today called you and said, you've been a thorn in my side. This is annoying to me. I have bigger business that I'd like to. You know about fentanyl, right? You know about opioids. You know that they're bad. You probably don't know how bad. In the country, in 2016, we had just over 63,000 um, overdose deaths. Two-thirds of them were because of opioids that were laced with fentanyl. It is a scourge, the likes of which people who are in the uh, addiction community and the police community, they say they haven't seen anything like this ever. Not meth, not crack. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But that's a separate part of the conversation. The main question is, what are we going to do about it? This White House says they are aware and they're taking charge. Kellyanne Conway is not just a senior advisor to the president. She has been tasked with overseeing this. We know that there was an allocation in the budget about it now. We know that in, in this spending measure, we know that there was an allocation in the long-term budget. What is enough? What is going to be done? A worthy discussion. Kellyanne, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Christopher, and for really shining a light on what truly is the crisis next door. The president in New Hampshire on Monday mm. rolled out his policy plan. He is attacking the opioid crisis and the drug demand crisis overall on three major fronts, prevention and education, treatment and recovery, and law enforcement and interdiction. The president is tackling all of those simultaneously, not sequentially, because we have to really fight this battle on three fronts. And the president himself has said that he wants a massive public-facing ad campaign where we are deploying facts and figures and messages to people, sometimes shocking the conscience and sometimes warming the heart with those stories of recovery and, and treatment access. As you've noted, the president's... Uh, the, the Congress really met the president's request to have significant funding, new funding, for the opioid and drug demand crisis. A $3 billion this fiscal year, $3 billion next fiscal year, a total of over $13 billion is the package that Secretary Azar has been mentioning. And uh, with those funds, we plan to beef up the interdiction, disrupt the supply of illicit drugs coming into our country. 90% or so of our heroin comes through our southern border. And uh, about 8 or 9 and 10 of new heroin users say that they started through prescription drugs. As you say, opioids is very tricky. It starts in your family medicine cabinet often, too often enough, and that little bottle bears a label that says the family doctor and the local pharmacy. But treatment's important, and this president is calling for lifting a 40-year ban on, on mental health facilities uh, because now they're being used to treat people with addiction. And if you fill that 17th bed, you don't get Medicaid reimbursement. We have a long list of people waiting for treatment and empty beds. He doesn't want that to persist any longer. But the strides his administration have made are many. Uh, he's calling for a one-third reduction in prescribing. We are about 5% of the world's population, and we consume about 80% of its mm. opioids. So it, it needs to stop. And we want to make sure that all Americans are written into this. People can go online today, Christopher, and go to Crisis Next Store crisisnextdoor.gov, 
and literally share their stories. Yesterday we showed a story from Mitchell in Missouri. He shared his story since the president mentioned this website on Monday. And it's a, it's a very compelling story of a young man who is fighting back from his addiction. But he's talking about how he got started, what the gateways were, how mm -hmm. to spot those signs, and, and what we can all do for each other. So thank you for helping us bring attention to it. If people don't know what fentanyl is, really educate yourselves. We're suffering from information underload. This is a, a synthetic opioid being manufactured outside of this country, mm -hmm. being brought through our mails, through our border, southern border, which is part of why the president wants the wall. It's sitting in our sanctuary cities. And it is, uh, it's literally killing us. Fentanyl is 50 times the potency of heroin and 100 times right. the potency of morphine. Well, look, first of all, uh, good on you uh, for taking the responsibility to head this up for the White House. This matters. It's an important thing. It's good to see the action being taken. Now, the debate to have uh, and the testing to do here is how much and where, you know, uh, because you know, especially China being highlighted with the tariffs right now uh, about intellectual property theft through True. They also make a ton of fentanyl that gets brought into this country, sometimes the right way, sometimes the wrong way. That's something that should be approached. But really, uh, the pushback is going to be this. Has. Yeah, but I mean, that, that could be done in a much more fulsome way. You want to be aggressive about something. That's something where you'd get probably all the American people behind you uh, because this is killing us literally. So you're putting money into it. That's good. I know you heard this on the ground in New Hampshire because, as you know, we did a documentary up there. We highlighted their fight against this drug. They in West Virginia are being overwhelmed in a way a lot of other places aren't, and they are laboratories for the problem. We need to put a lot more money than you're putting in here right now. It's not even close. Uh, the death ratio is so much more than HIV and AIDS, yet the funding ratio in terms of addressing the problem is nowhere near close. You have only about 10% of the addicted population that has access and ability to fund treatment. If we did that with cancer or heart disease, uh, we would have a plague on our hands of death. We have to do more and more money has to get to the local communities. How do you do that? Well, Christopher, we agree that more money has to get to the local communities. Uh, we are this is a federal, state, and local, and community effort. This is the White House. He is the president. He is an engaging, captivating, edifying speaker at that podium, including at New, in New Hampshire on Monday. So I think that with the president and the first lady bringing attention to this issue, it's going to go a long way to just the basics of educating people and honestly putting the fear into some of our youth from not buying that street drug for $10, from not getting, getting hooked in the first place, and yet recognizing so many people in this country already suffering from the dis, this disorder with these drugs and helping them. Now, I want to say something about the money. That is Congress's job to appropriate the money. This president declared a public health emergency. Congress has met the president's request which was a historic request for new funding for opioids. No president, no administration has anything had anything close to this, ever had anything close to this. And we know it does take money. And it also takes lifting or changing these crazy rules that really prevent people from accessing and remaining in treatment. We also, in our opioids cabinet, We've involved the departments and agencies and the cabinet secretaries that you would expect, DHS, mm -hmm. DOJ, VA, HHS. But we also have involved USDA. So they've put out 
guidance Good. for rural American, uh, America on opioids. We've also involved Department of Labor and HUD. Why? Good. Because we recognize that when people, if they're lucky enough to be in the drug course, they're lucky enough mm -hmm. to get into treatment, and they're lucky enough to come out, it's still a small percentage of, of complete recovery. If they're fortunate enough, they come out, and the only thing familiar to them are the drugs. That's right. There's, but this is a president who's also committed very passionately Good. and with dollars to skills education, to workforce development, to connecting people with with their corporal needs, with we're talking right. to HUD and and my my colleague over there in terms of housing opportunities. So you've got to you've got to tackle this whole. There's a whole continuum of care that's smart yes, talk. and we're not going to tackle it overnight. The, the numbers could get worse not. before they get better. They're, well, they're getting worse every day. Uh, it has it's something that has to be addressed. It hits in a lot of different ways. People become addicted for a lot of different reasons. But, but on on China and fentanyl, I wanted to just say this because it's yeah. incredibly important. And, and most, most outlets are not covering fentanyl today, so thank you. 20,000 deaths last year alone. So with fentanyl, the de Department of Justice announced the first two indictments of Chinese nationals right. who were in fentanyl tra traffickers. They have also filed a statement of interest with the civil litigation that the states have put forward. I went to the press conference with Attorney General Sessions and the and Democratic and Republican state attorneys generals who are part of this. Right. The president has directed them to, to take a look at the litigation. And also, you see so many of these com you see so many of these companies now, and so many of these states really, and the pharmaceutical companies saying, you know what, we support the first prescription being seven days, not thirty. And let me make clear to your viewers, this is not. We're talking about opioids. We're not talking about chronic pain sufferers. That's right. Palliative who, who care and drugs. pain management That's is correct. still real. Those a lot of people need it. Need it. Not everybody need who it. takes pain management medicine is an addict. Yes. Uh, we understand that. There's a lot of stigma that goes on with this. This is what I was saying. I'm saying there's a place for tough talk. Uh, and if you want to go after the threat, go after the makers of these drugs. Uh, I think the tough talk about, hey, make a better choice with kids, that uh, is a little bit misleading about how addiction happens. And the tough talk about, well, let's kill the, the drug kingpins, I know that that appeals to the base and harshness is often perceived as strength. But you are not going to no, punish your way out of this problem. Um, yeah, well, you, you know that, right? I, you talk to experts, they'll that. say the death penalty is barely a deterrent on any level, let alone when it comes to addiction. And it's not about killing the drug kingpins. Nobody's going to defend be... the drug kingpins, but you're not going to punish your way out of the problem no matter how good that sounds. Well, That's you why may, I raised you may the think nobody's defending the drug kingpins. Some are, but very few have been punishing them. We've got a kingpin statute on the books for decades. And the, the, the yeah, Attorney Supreme General Court just... doesn't like it, though. It, it, it has a hard time with, uh, just eighth, two days with ago, Eighth Amendment muster. The, but the Attorney General two days ago put out guidance to all U.S. attorneys' offices. Again, you can pull it up, you can put it right. on the screen if you like, or your viewers can watch it. What the president is saying is, and he's absolutely right, that we don't have tough sentences because a lot of those minimum sentences go by the weight of the drug. And so right. with fentanyl, literally you need about two milligrams right. You for can one change the dose. sentencing. I'm just saying the call was to kill them. And not only are you going to have a Supreme he Court problem He said many there. things. He said tougher sentences. But and he, he said, said kill drug dealers. That's what no, 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 no. He did not say kill drug dealers. He said in very specific cases. The he Department said kill drug kingpins. Christopher, there's a two-page. Well, hold on. There is a two. Well, good. There's a two-page. No, I don't think now, that gets you out of the problem. And you say the base likes it. He didn't say it gets out of the problem. He's actually tackling it on these three major fronts, and you know True. it. And that we have matters. a first lady who's taking this issue on. She's incredibly popular, and she's given such voice and visibility to neonatal Good abstinence syndrome. We have 25 babies being born addicted Good thing every to do. It's a huge country. scourge. It's all over the if place. If anybody wants to, to volunteer their time, go for it in your communities. Let, it's a great cause. Let me ask you something. Uh, there's a lot of good work that needs to be done. There are a lot of big problems. There are distractions. And it's a nonpartisan issue, Christopher. 
This legislation there's, there's should no be passing I, listen, unanimously. I wish I did not know as much about this problem as That's I right. do. I wish I had lived you it the way the front lines. I have. We appreciate I get it. it. I get it. I get how real it is. It's good what you're doing. More has to be done, and the effort has to be very focused, and we have to talk the right talk. That's why I'm checking you on those points. Let me ask you something else, though. All of this work that needs to be done there is compromised uh, by the drama that's going on in that place, whether it's the turnover uh, and now these stories with these women that are coming out that are not, uh, you know me, I'm not about getting into people's private affairs. That's not what I'm into. It's not a matter of public concern in my estimation. However, oh. the way they're being handled are creating potential legal situations for a sitting president of the United States. How much of a distraction, how difficult is it to get the job done there with these looming legal questions surrounding these women and, of course, the political intrigue of all the shakeups you have there? The, the answer you see every single day. This is a very active president. Look at everything that happened just this week. He's hardly retreating into a cocoon. He's the most active president, as I like to say, is a but man he's of action. We're spending a lot of time about talk. this. That's the fight with no, Joe Biden. No. That's the tweets about this stuff. No, no, no. Sorry, he doesn't spend much time on that. Joe Biden, like that woman who lost the election, whose name I don't say on your network anymore, they seem pretty upset. Took you longer than I thought it would, by the way. Yeah, I, want you, I think uh, I owe no. someone lunch. No, no, no. Why do they keep mentioning him and his voters and the election? It's kind of He could weird run for president point. of the United States, and the president brought him up. The president it's went after Joe Biden. Well, well, excuse me. No, no, no. Vice President Biden went after him and, and talked about Only one violence. is president, Kellyanne. Hold Only on. Only one is Excuse president. me. But one was vice president for eight years. True. And, and, and let's not talk about all the things that didn't get done. You and I just spent 10 minutes talking about a biggie. That, that man was vice president for eight years. I respect his public service. I, I honor his public service. However, if people in that kind of position, a former vice president, a former secretary of state, and twice failed presidential candidate, but also first lady of the country, they have considerable platforms. Why aren't they using them for more good? Where is her, where is her center for women and girls? Why isn't he talking no, no, no. about, why, is he, why doesn't he call me today and help on the drug but, crisis? But don't take us down the road. I don't care no. what she's why doing. She's she not in charge of keeping my kids safe. You guys cover safe. the 2016 you guys are. elections. No, no, no. You're no, in no. power. Here's what you we're control both on. houses of Congress so and the White House. It's all on you, my friend. And that's why the bus got through. That's why we now have funding for the wall, for the military, for school safety, for opioids, for so many of the president's priorities, Christopher. This town was mocking the wall two years ago, and now they're funding it. That's Donald Trump. That's Washington. He's the most... I don't know no, how the wall I mean, makes but, any more sense now than it did two years ago. But this president, look at what he did just this week. Just this week. Just this week, he rolled out, rolled out a two-page, everybody should read it, very specific, very significant drug policy. Then yesterday, he took action against China because the USTR released a report that said that we are losing innovation in the future and that there has been intellectual property theft. And so he's taken action on that instead of just talking about it. Whether Look or not it's the right the action, though, winds up becoming a basis for the, the scrutiny. Cuts. Of course I you want to talk, talk about, about the tax cuts. Of course but I want to talk 4. about them. 5 million Americans have benefited directly from bonuses, from raises. That doesn't even scratch the surface of all the capital investment that they have committed to their communities here. So we're, we're going of, to see lo the fruits a lot of, of companies that tax like cut for the a fact, long time. A lot of companies like the fact that you gave them more money. What they do with that money... We will see. You've seen what they you've seen what they've done with that money. People's paychecks. We've seen are what some have done with some Many, of the money. Over four hundred. And we know that people are getting more money in their million. paychecks, but we also know that it's very unequally distributed, and that the well, top does a lot better than the middle class, who were promised that this cut would be about them.
Some may call it crumbs. Other people look at it. I have never said the word crumbs. Money, and money matters people to people. They just could have gotten more of it if the policy was directed toward them. But let's not get too far off point. I brought you on here because this initiative matters. Taxes are not too far off point, but go ahead. But it I'm does just matter. It does matter. And it's great that Congress has met the call with funding. And let me just give a but shout have out to, do to more. something. Go ahead. In let's January, the president was flanked by Republicans and Democrats from the House and the Senate in the Oval Office, steps away from here, signing into law something called the Interdict Act. Interdict was an acronym, is an acronym. That provided $9 million in additional funding for the Customs and Border Patrol for fentanyl handling analysis. Why right. is this important? It passed the House by about 412 to 3, passed the Senate only unanimously we can do this together I hope the people who are constantly trying to throw logs in the path of this president in a town that is very used to statism and not used to disruption and progress I hope that they will come together in that kind of bipartisan fashion in the future there's a bunch of legislation that's working its way through Congress you pass that you're doing right by the people in your communities you're you doing guys right. are in power the president should talk yeah. to his own and he, party why, and find a way to get things done that's it's why the economy is humming ISIS is on the run and almost all but gone that's why our, we're more secure we're more prosperous and we're more accountable no, we're but I can tell you somebody works here every I'm single day he's been here again. since day one that this you're president one of the few is, my friend well you're one I, of the one of the few you are a veritable unicorn in that allow, white house right yeah a unicorn is right Sit.
Trump is considering firing Rosenstein, sources say. Dismissing dismissing the deputy attorney general could limit special counsels Robert Mueller's uh, in his uh, investigation. So Trump's got to fire somebody. He didn't like the, he didn't like the raid on his uh, uh, confidant fixers, uh, his lawyers, his lawyer. Uh, Michael Cohen's, he didn't like the raid on his office, his house, and his hotel. Trump did, despised it. He was pissed off. He was angry. But there's nothing he can do because a federal judge gave the FBI a warrant to do those things. And they wouldn't have done it if they didn't feel that it was probable cause to do so and that Trump, uh, possibly his lawyer, committed a crime. You know, and and they did it in a way whereas Trump and his lawyer 
could have or might have tried to destroy uh, uh, documents, uh, reports, um, emails, payments, business transactions, business documents, if he if they had not raided this office, uh, his lawyer's office. So now uh, Trump is not going to fire Mueller because if he fires Mueller, that's the end of his presidency. So he's going to go to the next best person and try to fire, and that's Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general. Trump's got to fire somebody. This guy has a fixation on firing people, and people are quitting uh, his administration uh, in droves. They don't want to be a part of what's coming, so they get out, and I don't blame them. But Trump, uh, and there's people who are asking, why don't Trump, why isn't Trump really considering resigning, saving America this big embarrassment of impeachment? Uh, you know, it would be better if he resigned. He There's too much uh, swirling around Trump. I mean, there's a lot of things swirling around Trump. And when I think about Trump, I think about that false, that fraudulent university of his. You know, uh, the, uh, among a lot of other things, some people said he should go to jail because he he campaigned against sprinklers in his own buildings, and now now because of there is no there weren't any sprinklers in the, in the high rise fire, it is one of his hotel buildings in New York. A lot of people are blaming him for the death of that one person who died because of maybe there was no sprinklers that sprinklers the building that Trump lobbied against and didn't have. Okay, White House just let slip it wait. Yeah, the, the White House, there's no doubt about it. The White House, uh, they they wanted to fire Trump, um, fire Mueller. I mean, it, it's all over the place. They wanted to get rid of Mueller, but they can't. You know, Trump's got lawyers up his ass. He's got, he, he's got his own lawyers up his ass. He, the guy is just, I don't know. Uh, General uh, GOP Sen Senator Chuck Grassley says firing Mueller would be a suicide, would be suicide for Trump. New York Times, Trump tried again in December to end Mueller probe. You know, I mean, all of this is just what? This is just plain old obstruction of justice. That's all this is. It's just plain old obstruction of justice. And I, I do think that... Um, He's going down. I mean, there's no other way for him to go but down. I mean, there, there is no other way for Trump to go but down. And anything more than that, I mean, he's going down. There's so much here. Uh, Senator, Chuck's, Senator Chuck Schumer warning Trump if he fires, um, if he fires Mueller, he. He could be impeached because he's obstructing he's obstructing justice. Trump fires Mueller, he will be impeached because he is obstructing justice. If he fires anybody, he should be impeached. But now he's looking at Rosenthal to fire. He's got <laughs> somebody's got to take the fall. So he's looking at Rosenthal. Trump is crazy. This man is just out of his mind and. I just railed the day that he is uh, impeached or out of office or, or, you know, so we can make 
make America better, make America uh, uh, restore democracy. everybody i want to thank you so much for tuning in to the george walter jr show make sure you tune in tomorrow same time